All right, everybody, welcome to the Business and Bliss podcast. I am your host, Lisa Kay, here with the amazing Jennifer Conkey. Welcome to Business and Bliss. And today we have an incredible guest. I'm excited to talk to you guys about the topic, the restoration of joy. And I'm excited to share what that even means and go deeper into how this can help you find more joy in your life. Um, so first I'm going to tell you a little bit about Alyssa, our guest today. So Alyssa Taglioni is a life coach specializing in helping women achieve post-traumatic growth. Through her own traumas and personal life experiences, Alyssa is now thriving and living her life on her own terms with her husband and three children in Dayton, Ohio. And she hopes to help other women do the same. So we will definitely have some contact information for Alyssa at the end of the show because I know several of you are going to want to reach out to her after um, you hear today's amazing episode. So um, we're going to go ahead and jump right in because there is so much juicy content. Um, for those of you watching on YouTube, I have like two pages of notes. Uh, so hopefully we even get through everything. That's my longest notes um, for any of our pre-screens. So, so many great pieces of information. So I'll be sure to share those in the show notes for you guys as well. So, um, um, Alyssa, let's just go ahead and jump right in and hear from your perspective. You know, how did you get involved in this type of work? And um, let's kind of kick it off from there. Well, I kind of didn't have a choice. So <laughs> this, this work um, was a result of a lot of family of origin stuff. And then I ended up being in a car accident where I broke my pelvis in four places and had to relearn how to walk over several months. Um, and that resulted in post-traumatic stress disorder. And I think when people think of post-traumatic stress disorder, they think of the military and they think of um, horrendous battlefield experiences or really, really um, horrendous trauma. So that definitely occurs, but also in auto mobile accidents and things like that or natural disasters that can happen as well so I was going to see a therapist for a while and all I kept hearing was like you have PTSD and I was like great what does that mean like what's next in my life because I get it like I have a diagnosis I have medication like what's next what's next what's next and the the beauty of coaching is where therapy ends coaching begins mm -hmm. when we stop talking about the past and we start talking about the future that's the bridge to the gap and with post-traumatic stress disorder there's post-traumatic growth so this is an archetype seen all through history it's the hero's journey it's going into the depths and coming back out and rising rising above so even like the phoenix metaphor is similar so going into that deep dark place and then rising out of it on, on new terms and becoming a new version of yourself. And that's essentially what had happened to me. Um, prior to this accident, I was really trying to find out like who I was going to be, what I was going to accomplish, what I was going to create in the world. And this really rerouted things. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, like I said, it was going through rehabilitative stuff and the depression was really horrible afterwards. And they don't tell you like after you're on, pain medication that when you stop taking it like you're gonna freak out like it's not like you're on drugs or whatever it's a prescription that you're given and when you stop taking it you do go through withdrawal and they don't tell you that you go through withdrawal so I had to go through all of that at home I had to go like so all of these confusing feelings plus the PTSD stuff and survivor survivor's guilt not knowing where I was going I started seeing a life coach and we kind of got some work done, a lot of um, 
just new ideas about who I could be. And it really opened my mind up to a growth mindset again Mm -hmm. and kind of exploring like what I am, where I am, what I can be now in spite of what happened to me. So kind of, it's almost like a process of, of re-identification. It's a rewrite of your narrative. It's a new beginning in some sense. So going through all of these things and then going through the coaching really helped me want to become someone who facilitates that Mm -hmm. space for other people. Mm -hmm. And so in the pre-screen, you talked a little bit about something called the blue method. Do you want to share a little bit more about that? I would love to. So, (laughs) (laughs) so the blue method is a program that I developed that I use with clients and it's kind of about starting where you are and looking, it's, it's all in the metaphor of, of gardening, essentially. So if you look at a patch of land or yourself and where you are now, seeing what needs to be cleared away, seeing what needs to really be nourished in yourself and in your body, if you're not taking good care of yourself, how can we kind of bring in that element of wellness? How can we kind of nourish the soil there so that you can allow for more growth going forward? And it's kind of within that process of, creating space in your mind for possibility, creating space for you to take things that suck your energy away so that they can be replaced with new nourishing things. Um, Making sure you are taking care of yourself, mind, body, and spirit, managing time well. And then setting goals and finding things that make your heart like open wide up and your your mind open wide up and like get you excited about what you're going to be doing tomorrow. Because there's so many people who have gone through something hard it's really hard to see hope in the next steps because like our brains work, like you're, you're always referencing the past always. So that's why coaching is so important is because you start mm-hmm. creating a new future regardless of what you're referencing in the past. So you're creating new neural pathways. So being able to do that and find things and watching yourself take successful steps and fail your steps and continuing to go forward with the help and the facilitation of a coach is really, really important Mm -hmm. when you're going through an already isolating experience. Mm So very interesting, fun stuff. Yeah, it's, you know, it's so true that so much of how our life sort of twists and turns our life path evolves comes from one of these like low moments, like these like contrasting moments, right? Right. Yeah. It sort of forces you to figure out, well, hell, how am I going to get myself out of this? Like, how am I going to pull myself up by the bootstraps? How am I going to do this? And then once you do that, you know, thank God, I think a lot of people are like, damn, I don't want anybody to have to ever feel like that or be right. who I was or feel like they're there without any resources or support. So mm-hmm. like, I want to help them. And I love that, you know, that, that, it was the result of your trauma and same with myself, same with Jen even, you know, I mean, it's, it's a similar story. So talk to us a little bit about what was the moment when you were ready to pivot, when you were like, enough is enough. Like I have to turn this around. I want to find more joy in my life. I want to figure out like what's next for me. What was that pivot point for you? Well, there was like a real despair point where I was at home he was my fiance at the time, but my husband now was at work all the time. So I was alone in our apartment, super, super low. And I just looked myself in the mirror and I said, there's a reason I'm still here. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to get to the next place, but I'm going to stick through it. 
And that was really a pivotal moment for me. Um, and right after that, I discovered Wayne Dyer. So Dr. Wayne Dyer, God bless him. Miracle with man. Us. Yes. Miracle man. Um, and he was just a great student of just so many things. And he would just explained and communicated beautifully. Mm -hmm. um, what we now look at is, as new age um, spirituality. And I think that really did a lot for me. And it really gave me a sense of purpose going forward because I finally had somebody who was talking to me and it all made sense about making the world better, about being more open, about allowing the universe to show up for me, about how things happen and you can keep moving on. And there's so many beautiful examples in his, in his talks that he would do on PBS and everything else. And like, thank God for PBS or else I wouldn't have found him. Mm -hmm. But it just having that special come on and having your teachers appear and having you be in the right moment really allows yourself to be present with it and not judge it so hard. So before we got on this call, I was kind of thinking about this and about choosing where we are on purpose. Um, because I know we were talking a little bit and today has been kind of a wacky day for me. And mm -hmm. I know you said the same thing and it's kind of like just remembering that where we are and what we're doing is a choice that we've made and we can be present with that. And even if it's hard, it's not. Yeah. For our listeners, I, I told Alyssa, I said, I might selfishly need today's episode more than <laughs> any of our listeners. So if, if I'm the only one who downloads this today, like I'm okay with it. <laughs> I need to talk so about motivating. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people that will download it today. <laughs> I think it's really interesting, you know, that everything that you went through and you said Wayne Dyer, is that who it was? Yeah. Okay. I've never heard of this person. So I oh my gosh, Wayne. girl, you're going to die. Google and, and We're going to die and just go to heaven as soon as you see his little face. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. But it's just, you know, I noticed that a lot of folks that go through trauma like that, it's, um, it is, there comes a point when they realize what you just said. You looked in the mirror and you thought, there's still a reason why I'm here. Right. You know, there's a reason why you survived the situation. And yes, you had to endure mm -hmm. the pain. But I mean, there is so much growth that comes from pain. It's almost like, I feel like pain is somewhat of a necessity to endure and overcome and grow. And then to turn around, like, when did you discover, I really want to use this and leverage it to teach or help others? So it's funny. I didn't know that I could. <laughs> okay. And that's fair because a lot of people don't. Like everybody can go right, but only the select few come around and say, well, I'm going to use this and help other people. Mm -hmm. And you, you tend to be, it sounds like you're one of those unicorns. I just want to know. Oh, thank happened. you. Um, so I was, so after my accident, I had my first son. And then a year later, I had my twins. So I had three children within one year, <laughs> a year apart to the day. And two um, of them are twins. Can we, all, can we just all pray for Alyssa for a minute? Because yeah, like they're five and six now. They're fine. Yeah. <laughs> but I, um, I have PTSD yeah. from motherhood. I'm not even joking. I mean, that's part of why I wrote my book. So I mean, we talked about PTSD shows up in so many different ways. Yeah. So, I get it. So you're you're a miracle among us just for that girl. <laughs> Let me get this straight. So Alyssa, you you have the accident. And yeah. You shatter your pelvis? Yes. And then you proceed to have three kids? Well, so I went to the wow. lady doctor, okay. and I asked if, it, if I would be okay to have children, and she said everything would be fine. And my husband and I ended up having our first son, and we didn't expect to have the second. 
twins um, and they were premature. So they were really close in age and to begin with. And then um, they were born on his birthday. So that's cool. So um, yeah, his first birthday, he got twin brothers. But um, so I was going through all this. I was working at the same time for the food banks. And so I was already really trying to, I had a servant's heart to begin with. Like I really wanted to serve people. I really wanted to drive my passions for taking care of others and for making the world a better place and whatever all into the same job. And this, this job gave me a new opportunity and to, to really serve that way. Um, but it is really difficult when you're in the nonprofit sector and you're seeing really upsetting things on a daily basis. And um, that's hard for me to absorb, especially when it's kind of systemic. Um, so I, it was starting to wear on me and I went through um, a leadership training course that a friend of mine from California that I went to high school with um, had recommended in Columbus, Ohio. And so I went through this leadership training and there were coaches, not the same, but um, there were coaches in the leadership training. And I was talking about how I just read self-help books all the time, how I love it. And I think it's great. And I think that like making yourself better and like a growth mindset so important, all this stuff. And he's like, you know, you can be a coach for a living. And I was like, I did not know that. <laughs> I did not know yeah, that. I didn't know that either at first. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just, I didn't even know the opportunity existed. And it kind of just appeared on its own. And I had all I had these three, all these little kids, <laughs> three little kids. And I was working and it was so exhausting. The cost of childcare is so high for three kids that are that small. And so I decided to leave my job and come home and start a coaching business, which started a whole new transformation of being a, a stay-at-home mom. And that was, that was an identity shift. That's like hitting a wall a little bit sometimes because you feel like I'm going to lose myself. Um, but it, it was just such a great way to also carry myself through that because I had all of these tools and I was being exposed to new tools all the time. Um, and it helped me. The self-coaching aspect is, is fantastic. So that's where the Bloom Method developed. That's where my coaching skills developed. And... Um, a fantastic industry and I think as we continue to go on and our brains continue to evolve coaching is going to become more necessary than ever and the industry is already growing at an outrageous rate so you know the more the merrier yeah I agree and Gabrielle Bernstein she's an author she said recently that there are more people out there who need coaching and support and healing and love and guidance than there are teachers and healers and coaches to help them, right? Right. It's interesting that you say that because I've seen so many posts recently about coaches saying like, well, there's coaches popping up everywhere and all, you know, these people aren't certified and, and why are there so many coaches? Everyone's trying to be a coach, like negative around it. And I, I just want to pivot quickly and talk about like, if you're thinking about being a coach or you feel called because of your story to coach someone, there's enough pie to go around. There's enough pie for everybody. There are more people who need help, who need your help and the help that only you uniquely can give in your way than there are people to help them. So don't let that discourage you. And um, if anything, I hope Alyssa's story motivates you because I mean, that's, that's really where my coaching came from too. I was in a depression and 
met a coach, you know, and that's really how, how it all kind of got started. I was like, Oh, this is a thing. I want to help people get out of this just like I did. So, so let's share with our listeners some, some tactical tips. So if you, if we have someone who's listening, who is like, gosh, I really need to get back to a place of joy. I'm, you know, like you talked about, I'm having this identity crisis or I had this trauma that happened to me. I'm in a really low point. Like what, what is the number one tool or what is a top tool that comes to your mind right now that we can maybe jump into and share with someone as a tactic to help them? Well, I think you talk about this too, Lisa, is I think the number one, and it's, it's a long haul for this one, but like the number one thing that helps me the most when I start to feel like I'm falling into old patterns, I don't know where I'm headed, I'm losing clarity, and I start to get into old be, old behaviors when you forget your tools, you know what I mean? <laughs> is, is the rewriting your narrative. Rewriting your narrative is the greatest tool I've ever seen used because it takes away those family of origin stories. It takes away victimhood stories of what people have done to you and puts you in a more empowered place. If you give your t- like yourself the time and effort to really go through and look at your childhood, look at your adolescence, look at your adulthood and kind of where you're headed and make sure that story is working for you because that's your frame of reference for your identity that can shift mountains. So how would, how would you guide someone through doing that if they wanted to do that activity today to start turning around their ship? Well, I think the, the first way to, to really look at this is kind of journaling what you think your story is and just writing it out without judgment just write it down like write down what your story is whether that's two pages or ten and just kind of give yourself the timeline of how you see yourself and give yourself a day or two and then go back and cross out everything that's a lie yeah i think that's not true that is so important it's so important and it's so necessary because when we find that we're telling our story, introducing ourselves, and, and if we ever listen to ourselves and it sounds like we're telling our story from a baggage or a wound, mm-hmm. it, it, it's like we start to believe it. And the more we say it and it crosses our throat chakra, the more real it becomes. And I, I think it's so important to, to go back and rewrite that and what that story is in terms of a positive way to reframe it. And then you'll start thinking of yourself that way. I think that is, that's like gold. That's, it's very critical. Yeah. And it's, it's like an elevator speech for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like kind of like when you, I remember when I was staying at home I, and like, even when I started off as a life coach, I'd be like, yeah, I must stay at home mom and a life coach. And it's like, that energy doesn't serve me. Like mm-hmm. I am a coach and I am good at it mm-hmm. and I am a mom and I'm kind of okay at it, but I'm trying really hard. So <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm not. It's just like show up for yourself first because you're telling your brain with your mouth out loud like who you are. And Oprah said something, and I hope I'm quoting her correctly, but she said when you speak what you want out loud, that's the first time your ears hear it. Mm -hmm. Like you can say say things in your brain all the time. I know it's crazy. And it's like, that's so important. So when you're, you're wanting things in life too, it's important to speak them out loud because you're speaking them into the universe. Like you're speaking them into the world and you are hearing it yourself for the first time. So I just think that making sure that when you are thinking about yourself, you aren't thinking about yourself in the frame of like a parent who didn't really honor who you are 
or like teachers who didn't honor who you are, whoever it was in your life who kind of projected something onto you or misunderstood. Because I don't think people are always doing these things on purpose. I think a lot of it is just human fault. Yeah. Right, yeah. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of wounding and stuff for us all to get through, but you have to start with you first. So, mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when I, when I am visualizing, you know, writing this narrative and so forth, and then you said go back the next day and cross things out that just aren't true, um, it, it made me think of, you know, whenever you're writing down these negative things or the things that have negative energy, it's coming from a place of fear. And we talked about this on another episode and, you know, it's, it's helped me so much to realize, like, if you can look at that fear as an observer and say, like, why did I write that? Like, where did that come from? What am I afraid of? Why am I writing, you know, this negative thick comment about myself? Where, what am I afraid of? What is that fear? And what is that fear telling me? Where, you know, I think about fear. I keep getting this visualization of like a bowling alley, you know, and you have the gutters in the lane, like that are kind of keeping your, your ball headed in the right direction, right? No matter how bad you throw your ball, those gutters are sending it in the right direction, right down to the pins. And so I, I really have started to look at fear in that way. And I think that ties into what you're saying to dig into that narrative a little bit deeper and just try and understand like, what am I afraid of? And when you can really pull yourself back and like rationalize what you're afraid of, you, you can almost like dissipate it a little bit more easily and realize that's, that's just my, that's just my fear talking. Like that's just this, this thing outside of my being. It's not necessarily like really me and who I am. I know deep down that I'm capable. I know deep down that I'm enough. Um, and it's just my, my fear talking. So, right. And I think another way to put this also in another aspect of, of the fear parts and, and the repeating narratives is a lot of it is just good old solid brain work. And it's just your brain being wired to continually believe the same things because okay, your brain you is lazy. Motivational triad. Okay. So Brooke Castillo is one of the greatest. Break it down, girl. Break it down. Break it down. Because, and she talks about the motivational triad and I hopefully will get this right. Um, but it's avoiding pain, seeking pleasure, and working as efficiently as possible. So if you're, if you're on a diet and then you get hungry and you want a cookie and you're, you eat cookies every day, your brain's going to go eat that cookie because that's what you do on a normal basis. And your brain is hardwired at three o'clock, you eat a cookie, which I did today and it was totally worth it. But anyway, so you're going to, you're going to want to avoid the pain. And that's a lot of the times why when we try to make change, things fail because they're uncomfortable. So we want to avoid pain. We want to do things as easily as possible. So we're working on an automatic brain process and like, we don't want it. We don't want to, make it harder. So when you're rewiring neural pathways, your brain has to work a lot harder than when you're on automatic pathways. So a lot of the fear is definitely true, especially for people who've gone through post-traumatic stress disorder, because hypervigilance is a real thing. And like being on top of your stuff and being hyper aware of your surroundings is a real situation that people with PTSD go through. So that fear drive is big. And then on top of that, to have rewiring going on is it's, it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of, um, I don't want to say discipline because it's discipline, but also it's just continually making the same choice over and over and over again. So what did you say? I'm sorry. I said it's like dedication, right? Dedication. 
yourself, commitment to yourself and saying, right. okay, I can observe this fear, right? I can observe that I, this is hard. I can observe that this feels uncomfortable. I can, observe, you can look at it outside of yourself instead of being a participant in it and, you know, get some commitment and dedication from there. Right. And so the commitment and dedication thing too is important because I think with a lot of accountability work that's been going on for the last 20, 30 years or whatever that we've seen go, um, like in podcasts and media and everything else, it's like, you aren't dedicated enough. You aren't dedicated enough. And it's like, no, that's the way your brain works. That just means that your brain is working normally is because you don't want to do this. You're going to fall off every once in a while. It's just making the choice to continue and not judge yourself so hard for falling off. Like if you want to go on a vegan diet and then you slip up every once in a while, just know that's part of the process rather than saying like, I don't have the will to do this. I don't have the discipline to do this. I think a lot of the shame and the suffering and the frustration comes from not recognizing that these are normal, normal brain processes. So I read a quote on Instagram. I won't say who posted it just in case, you know, we're famous one day and they're listening to it, but <laughs> They, they post and they said, if it's a quote from them, it says, if it's important enough, you'll make the time. If not, you'll make an excuse. And that just rubbed me the wrong way. Like I get where that's coming from, right? I get that it's easy to make excuses. Um, but I also feel like we don't give ourselves enough damn grace. We don't give ourselves enough grace. Yes, you screwed up today. Yes, you know, we ate the cookie, we drank the wine, we didn't work out, like whatever your thing is, your goal is for yourself. But like, there's tomorrow, you can get back up tomorrow. Like we don't have right. to drill sergeant our asses all the way through life all the time. We I don't. don't. Know. We don't? No. no, we don't. Yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> Jen, Jen, you talk about that because I think you probably have a little bit more of a different perspective on that, right? I mean, you're no, I, I, I agree. Regimented. Here, I am regimented, but here's, here's my, my take on it. And you can, you can take what you will. Um, I will openly disclose that I am my own worst critic, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are. So yeah. I have a very high standard for myself. Um, I damn near expect perfection, which is so unrealistic. Mm -hmm. But here's what I've learned is that we have these deep rooted beliefs that, you know, they shaped us. And those beliefs happened throughout our life. And some of them happened when we were younger. And when you go back and you identify, as soon as you've uncovered that you have one of these beliefs that is limiting you, it's important to try and figure out, well, where did that come from? When did I decide to believe in that? So for example, me, I went through this process where I was going through, you know, trying to figure out my health and fitness and be regimented. And yeah, you know, I go to the gym, I do my stuff. I, I'm in jujitsu, I do stuff. But don't get me wrong, I'm still human and I want a freaking Chips Ahoy when I want a Chips Ahoy and I don't want to feel bad when I do it, but I do. And so I started thinking about like, where did that come from? And I realized that I had a self-limiting belief that was, oh man, I'm a victim of horrible genes. And I went back in time and I remembered like my dad, love him to death and he meant well when he said it to me, but he told me, you come from a long line of fat genes and you're going to have to work your ass off in order to be thin and be fit. And nobody else has to work that hard. So boom, two beliefs were born. The first one was there's nothing I can do about it because it's just my genes, which is an absolute falsehood. Number two was nobody else has to work as hard as you. So when I believe those two things, then I tend to give up as soon as I hit a plateau. And that's just, it's bullshit. 
So I have to pattern interrupt that. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you, anybody that's facing an area of life where they've got something, this pattern that just keeps coming back, it, it's probably tied to a belief that was installed in us mm -hmm. that we believe and we just got to get rid of it. As soon as we get rid of it, it's easier because I was motivated by fear instead of being motivated by the carrot. So when I'm motivated by the stick, I'm motivated by the stick of, oh man, I, as soon as I get far enough away from the stick of being fat, I start eating the chips ahoy again until I get back to fear. Oh shit, I got to go back. And so it's just, that's the roller coaster, you know? So it, it makes sense. And I do believe in that. We've got to give ourselves a little bit of grace because if I don't, if I don't celebrate the small wins, like, okay, cool. I only had one chips away cookie instead of one row in the container. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, right. if I celebrate the small stuff, then that's how I'm motivating myself towards, you know, the, mm -hmm. the carrot chasing the carrot versus the stick. Yeah. And I think it's realizing like we're all on a journey, like whatever your goal is, I know it may seem linear and like that's a destination. Like I want to right. win this. I want to make this much money. I want to, you know, live here. It, it seems like a destination, but my friends, it, there's, there's no destination in our life. We are all on a journey that will never end. Like until we leave this earth and then we'll start a new journey. But the journey is always evolving. And if you, you know, I, I mean, I was doing the same thing, like, you know, being a new mom, new body, 40 pounds later, I'm just, you know, rocking it over here. And it's like, you know what? I'm not going to keep beating myself up. Who does that serve? No one doesn't serve anyone. And if I'm going to be joyful, I'm going to embrace myself where I'm at and I'm going to just do what I do. I'm going to go to my yoga. I'm going to try to make better choices. And yes, there is absolutely an argument for like incredible discipline and that, and that's totally fine. And those people, absolutely. If that's what brings you joy, go for it. What I'm here to say is if you have a goal and you're going after it, don't expect to be there tomorrow and don't beat yourself up over it. If you stumble along the way while you're getting there, like that's part of the process is the journey and finding joy in your journey and finding love for yourself as you're moving toward these goals. Right. right. So we semi got off on a tangent, but I feel like that was maybe I think it falls in line with what Alyssa was talking about. I, I cannot imagine the discipline and commitment it would have taken to learn to walk again. Yeah. Like, oh my God. That's inspirational. That? <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting to talk about because when you're going through something like that, and I don't know if other people have had similar experiences, but what I did when I went through the stuff with my kids in the NICU and when I went through my car accident, you just kind of shut your brain down a little bit. Yeah. And then I kind of had to deal with it later. Like I just kind of kept my head down and just got through it and then processed at a later time. And that might be a survival mechanism. I don't know the science behind it, but I mean, the, the walking again was just going to therapy. <laughs> like be, I was in a, in a rehabilitation facility. So, um, wasn't all there mentally for sure. Yeah. But the after process of dealing with the mental aspect of it was so important. And it was so important to face it without the distraction of substance, the distraction of television, with the distraction of whatever. And that was definitely another part of what I went through. And we can talk about another time, but being able to sit with the real emotion of it and being able to feel the emotions of it was key to moving on. So another subject for another okay. time. <laughs> no, I just got goosebumps when you said that because 
It is so important. I cannot emphasize, it, you know, if you're out there, if you're going through something, you're listening to this, if you're going through a trauma, if you're going through a divorce, if you're going through depression, if you're going through postpartum anxiety, if you're going through any of these things, it is so important to feel your feelings. And, you know, there was an, a beautiful story I heard um, from someone and it talks about, you know, this man told a story about how, you know, life is like our heartbeat. When you think of a heartbeat on a monitor at a hospital, right? There, it's up and down, up and down, up and down. And if you, if your life is smooth and it's a flat line, you're dead, mm-hmm. right? And that story like really hit me. Like, you don't, you think you want your life to be smooth, but that's a flat line. That's death. That's like not existing. That's not living. And the heartbeat is that God promises you're going to have high highs and I'm going to promise you low lows because the contrast is what helps you appreciate and live your life, right? Like you can't know compassion if you know, you've never been taken advantage of, or you can't know joy if you've never had your heart broken. You can't know, you know, surviving what you did. Like if you, if you hadn't been in that tragic situation, like the contrast, you can't know love if you haven't, you know, lost. Right. I mean, it's all these things, this beautiful contrast. And the only way we get through it, I love what you said is by feeling your feelings. And so, you know, I think that is a lot of what coaches do. And certainly there is a time and place for therapy and counseling. You need to deal with your past. That is absolutely where you go. Coaching is about moving forward, counseling, psychology, therapy, um, psychiatry. That is about navigating through your past. But in coaching, it allows you to process your feelings and feel your feelings and move forward. And there's so much that can come from actually feeling those feelings and experiencing that contrast. Because on the other side of that is the opposite. On the other side of that is you know, that other positive emotion. So I love that she called that out. I think we might've lost her. Alyssa, are you with us? Okay. We might've lost her. So we'll go ahead and and keep going, Jen. Um, So I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Jen, but I just feel like it's so important for people to not just push everything down and you know, process it later or deal with it later. Oh, get absolutely. Why, you know, why you can, whatever that looks like, like getting help is strength. It's not weakness. Uh, no, I completely agree. I think that when we suppress the emotion, that's when it becomes some serious baggage that will rear its ugly head later. So a lot of folks don't think it's okay. Like we're taught as kids to, you know, be seen and not heard and mm-hmm. hey, don't cry, stop crying. I'm going to give you something to cry about were the days that I grew up in. And so yeah. you call that in because they can't handle the the static or the noise of somebody expressing their emotion instead of teaching how to deal with big emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a shift in parenting. I think it's a shift in life that Mm -hmm. it's okay. You're going to have some big emotions and you need to experience them and then release it and move on. But you're human and it's okay to have that emotion. So I try to raise the boys that it's okay for a boy to cry. Yes. Through that and feel it. And it's okay to be frustrated. If you're going to be frustrated, it's, you're human and, you know, go scream in your pillow. I'll, I'll tell all four kids, go scream in your pillow or go do something to try and like you know, squeeze out your hand, go feel it and then take some deep breaths. And once you identified what triggered that emotion, then we can have a conversation, but you've got to get that emotion out and it's okay. So I agree. Yeah. 
It's so interesting. You know, there's that quote out there that says, um, you know, let's not give our, let's give our kids a childhood they don't have to recover from. And I think part of it is this huge concept around conscious parenting of, you know, yeah, if, if my son is crying, I ask him like, what well, I try to have him identify your feeling. Like, what is it that you're feeling? Are you feeling embarrassed? Are you yeah. feeling frustrated? Are you feeling sad? Like, let's talk about it. Let's give it a name because I agree with you. I feel like, you know, I think in terms of music, so I think of like a scale of music and, you know, I think about like a Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, they have this huge range of music. They can sing really high and they can sing really low. And so I think about that as an emotional scale. And, and so many people are only hanging out around middle C. So many people are stuck at middle C because they have never experienced these other emotions, whether it's high highs or low lows. They've never been allowed to experience that because we, they were taught, hush, be quiet. You're fine. Quit whining. Yeah. You know, just suck it up. You're fine. Brush it off yeah. instead of, Hey, okay, maybe let's not have a tantrum about it in public. Like let's deal with it in a healthy way, but let's talk about how you're feeling. And so I think by helping our children feel their feelings and process that emotion, we're raising hopefully more emotionally available adults that will be more comfortable expressing and be more comfortable being authentic yeah. um, and not suppress. And, you know, my hope would be that that lends itself to minimizing all of the mental health issues that so many people are struggling with because they weren't hurt or they weren't allowed to feel their feelings. Um, so we, we accidentally went into a parenting trip. That's, That's cool. Okay. It's okay. Now we have a parent. Now we have a parenting clip. Ooh, parenting. <laughs> we we lost Alyssa, so I, I don't know. Do yeah, no, I'll wrap up and share. So for those of you who would like to get a hold of Alyssa again, her specialty is really in helping women navigate trauma and find joy again after trauma. So um, the easiest way for you guys to get a hold of her, check her out on Instagram. So it's Vivant Coaching, V I V A N T Coaching. Um, so at Vivant Coaching on Instagram, that's the easiest way to get a hold of Alyssa. So thank you guys. This episode is a wrap. And if you would like to know more about the restoration of joy, um, certainly can reach out to Alyssa or myself. We, you know, definitely are both very passionate about this subject and approach it from a different way, um, which is so beautiful because we're able to help people in really unique, unique ways. So thank you guys. That's a wrap. Have a great day. And we'll see you on the next episode of Business and Bliss. Bye. Bye. <laughs>